Each summer as a church, we just, instead of preaching in series and breaking them up and stuff, we just, we give one cover to the whole summer. And uh, it's fun for us as communicators because we kind of get to speak these one-off sermons and not really put them so much in a rhythm of a series. And so that's what we're going to do today. It's actually what we're going to do all summer long. But I do believe in the tagline. We need to make sure that we're a people who are avoiding the spiritual slump that can happen in summer. Statistically, they say church attendance goes down by 38% in the summer. And that's a high disconnect level, if you know what I'm talking about. And so let's do the best that we can to stay connected. I'm grateful uh, for podcast. We're on Apple Podcast. I'm grateful that you can go back and watch it. Um, But nothing is as good as being in person. Are you with me? And um, and so be connected as possible. Today, I want to preach a sermon as again, we were in South Carolina, inspired and saw many uh, palm trees. And uh, I remembered a sermon that I preached very long ago um, called Sermons from a Palm Tree. And uh, the Jewish mind, a Hebrew mind, whenever Jesus or a disciple or a prophet, a teacher, somebody would have spoke, if they would have used an example, like many times Jesus would have said something like, hey, you've heard it said, but I say, and he would kind of give an outline, or he would say the kingdom of heaven is like And he would give an example of like a farmer or maybe a fisherman or something like that. The reason he would do that is because that mind, they would hear these things. The kingdom of God is like a farmer or a fisherman or a palm tree. So if they were mentioned, they would go, we need to go look at all the attributes of a farmer or a fisherman or a palm tree or whatever the example might be. So they just wouldn't hear it and let it pass by like many of us would do. They would hear that and be like, what are the attributes of a palm tree? How does that significantly and spiritually impact me? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're actually going to take a look at the sermons from a palm tree. And uh, Psalm 92 verse 12 in 13 says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Uh, We need the body of Christ to be flourishing in the hour that we're in. We can't have a bunch of weak, scared Uh, coddle me Christians in the hour that we're living. We need some flourishing Christians that can stand up to what the enemy is trying to do in culture. Okay. So the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Well, what does that mean? It says they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. This isn't describing a hit, skip or miss kind of Christian. This is a person who's saying, I'm going to be planted. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to be rooted. I'm going to make it priority. As Doug mentioned last week, we got to be connected to the vine. Give it up for Doug last week because he did a great job. We're talking about being a people, not hit, skip, or miss. We're we're connected. We want to be like this palm tree that flourishes, that thrives. Uh, That's important for us to be that way. Now, Jesus, being all wisdom... He found himself in a place that would have had palm trees, which means warm climate. I'm believing in my life that as God has called me to be more and more Christ-like, I'm going to find myself living in a place, which by the way, the Vertical Church Charleston campus, we're beginning meetings. That's going to be planting before the winter. (laughs) If you're interested, let me know. But Jesus, we know before he goes to the cross, he rides in on a donkey and they're waving what? Palm branches, right? They're not throwing pine cones because of winter trees. There's these palm, it's important to him that, you know, so he's warm climate. He's a wise person. So I got seven points that I want to get to, but I actually have a point zero because I got to tell you a story about something that happened with palm trees while we were away on our vacation. Jess and I went golfing in South Carolina, and of course, there's palm trees there golfing. And a very unusual thing happened. Uh, on the 18th hole, if you golf, you only play 18 holes in a round. On the 18th hole, we get to the 18th hole, and very unusual, Jess is leading me by 
two strokes. She had a two-stroke lead. And I don't know if it was like the ocean air or something was going on with me, but I just... (laughs) And so she's got a two-stroke lead, and, uh, you know, the pressure's on now because we may be on vacation, but, you know, this matters. So 18th (laughs) hole. And uh, I go up there, and I hit my tee shot, and I'm sure it was fine. And then Jess goes up, and she's on the box, and she hits her tee shot right into a cluster of palm trees. Now, what happens in Michigan is your ball is either lost uh, or it bounces back off into the fairway if, if God is feeling gracious to you. Uh, Brad knows about this. That's why he left. Uh, he's a godly man. He gets a lot of them hit back in. <laughs> so we go up to this palm tree, and we're thinking it would have hit the tree and bounced off, and we'll find it somewhere around here. We go up to this palm tree. What we didn't know about palm trees is all of those little you know, sort of textures off the side are sort of these cups, these funnels. And this is what can actually happen to your golf ball inside the side of a palm tree. I'm not saying that was Jess's ball, but we looked at this tree and it was full of golf balls cupped in all of the sides of the thing. And um, some of you Dutch people are like, how many did you take? <laughs> we didn't take any out of it. Only because it was starting to almost rain and lightning and thunder and we wanted to finish the round. And so I learned point zero about uh, palm trees is palm trees can actually catch and keep your golf balls. Has nothing spiritual to do. And I want to say to every single one of you, don't ask her how the round finished. It doesn't matter. Leave her alone in the hallway. We don't know. I would need to know who won or how it happened. Uh, She ended up beating me by three, even though her ball bounced off a pine tree. So, yeah. Well, here's the problem with Charleston, South Carolina. It's a 300-year-old city, and they've kept it that way. So imagine what those roads are like. Cobblestone, all broken up. There's been wars fought all over these streets. My knees were shot by day two. I'm 40 years old, okay? I mean, so I couldn't finish the 18 holes, but... Palm trees were mentioned in Scripture as being an example to us as how we should live as Christians. The righteous like palm trees, can flourish. Well, what does that mean? What's amazing about palm trees is palm trees, you can turn on the news during a hurricane, and you can literally see physical buildings, roofs, being just ripped completely off in one whole piece. There goes the entire roof off a building. You see massive waves. Like we have waves here in Michigan, and we get really bad storms that we think are crazy. Oh my goodness, 60 mile an hour winds in Michigan. Look at those waves. But in the coastal communities, these waves are these giant waves that they don't just crash on the shore. They crash all the way into the towns. You see that in these hurricanes. You see street signs, metal street signs whipping in the wind and then just coming unhinged and flying off. But then what you also see during a hurricane is just a palm tree swaying and hanging out. Storms don't affect it. Storms, it can resist the storms of life. It can resist the things that are being thrown. All of this other destruction has happened around it, but there's a flourishing palm tree. So the scripture is teaching us, hey, you as a believer can be a person who flourishes like a palm tree. That means no matter what's happening around you, you can stand. Can I get an amen? The world needs us to be these people who can show that in the times that we're living in, in the culture that we're facing, we can be like the palm trees, flourishing. We can bend, but not break. Are you with me today? So i got seven points for you, some spiritual examples that we can take from palm trees. The point number one is this. A palm tree is not easily uprooted. A palm tree is not easily just plucked and moved on. 
well, how does a palm tree sustain those kind of winds where here in Michigan, we see pine trees fall over in wind and trees get blown over. How is it that palm trees can sustain these high force winds? Well, it's found in their root systems. They have deep roots. They have deep connectivity to something that gives them depth. As a matter of fact, many palm trees, their root systems can go hundreds of yards deep, sometimes even miles deep. Their sustainability comes from their depth. Are you with me? That's why Doug was talking last week. We need to be a people, if we're going to have sustainability, we got to be a people who remain connected to what? The vine, our root system. We got to stay connected to the things of God. My worry is that the church of America is losing its root system. We're losing our depth. We're losing our ability to go deep. I thought about in our prayer lives. You've heard me say this before, that they say statistically, we spend more time in a day cosmetically than we do in prayer. What does that mean? It means that we spend more time brushing our teeth, putting on deodorant, and combing your hair each day than you do praying to the creator of heaven and earth. The one who tells us, hey, you have not because you ask not. We spend more, our root system doesn't go very deep in the average prayer life as an American. We need to be a people who make sure we're rooted in prayer. Are you with me today? I don't think our root system is there the way it used to be when it came to memorizing God's word. If you were to, again, follow or live or walk among people who walked among Jesus' life, they would have certainly had the Torah memorized, the first five books of the Bible memorized. And you would be like, that's impossible. We could never learn that much to, oh, watch this. If I got up here and I started saying movie lines, you could repeat them. If I started to say a music lyric and stopped, you would probably finish it. So we'd sit here and say, it's impossible to learn all that kind of stuff. Yet we could spit out lyric after lyric and movie after movie, sports statistic after sports statistic. How many know what I'm talking about? You were sitting in a bar and the guys next to you was like, I remember our team in 81. We had, And then we say, hey, you should probably memorize a few scripture. Impossible. <laughs> we got to get back and being rooted. If we're going to flourish like a palm tree, we got to make sure our root system goes deep. Uh, another thing that I thought about is the root system as the body of Christ. It, it was known as, as the place that had the good news. The book of Acts, the, the early days of the church, the scripture said they would all come together and they would have all things in common. They, would have all, they had this, this desire to be rooted in serving and loving and connecting with one another. And so serving was something that you would do. You'd be in the house of God. You'd make sure people, uh, oh, you're moving. We're going to help you move. Oh, does a single mom have a need? Let's make sure we take care of her need. We need to make sure we go deep in our heart to serve. Deep in our heart, be rooted in generosity. Oh, is there a need in my community? Is there a need in my neighborhood? Is there a need in my church? I'm going to make sure that I prioritize my finances and root them in a way that I can be generous because God says it's better to be a people who give than it is to receive. Are you with me today? If you want to be fruitful, if you want to flourish like a palm tree, we got to be a people who have a good root system. I thought about church attendance, especially in the days of summer. We got to be a people who make sure church attendance happens in our life. You've heard me say it this way before. If church is optional for you, it's going to be unimportant for the next generation in your life. Saturday night, I say, hey, what do you think? Are we going to church? Maybe. What do you think? Are we going to go to church tomorrow? Or what do you want to do? If your kids hear you talking that way, as it's optional for you, it will become unimportant to them. We got to be a people who are prioritized and connected to church. Uh, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. And uh, I remember the days where we went to church on Sunday morning. And then we went home to church. We went home after church. And about the time we realized, okay, the Lions aren't going to win this game. We went right back to night church. Who remembers night church? 
Okay, if your hand's raised, you're going to heaven. The rest of you, on the edge. If you never went to night church. Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, and then you know what else happened to us? Then my parents stayed after Sunday night church because they had meetings, leader meetings, because they served in the church. I mean, that pastor had us at church so much, he claimed us on his taxes. That's how long we were at church. Oh, and I'm not even done. I haven't even begun to talk to you about Wednesday night church. Then we went back on Wednesday night church, had Wednesday night church. Oh, and you're not going to believe this one, too. We also had a small group that we were in, a home group. How often did that meet, Pastor? Five times a year, six times a year. We had a special small group. No, weekly. You had people over into your home. Some of you are like already getting sweaty about that idea. <laughs> Church attendance. We were rooted deeply. We could flourish like a palm tree because our connectivity to God and to our church mattered. We took a carriage ride. You know, you get in the carriage thing and the horse drives you around all those broken roads. And I'm just so grateful that my knees get a break. And uh, we're going all around the thing. And I remember reading the stats about one of the horses uh, and their ability to pull. You know, one of those Belgian draft horses can pull about, I'm going to get the numbers a little bit wrong, but one of them by itself can pull about 8,000 pounds on its own. If you take two of those horses and you put them together, you would think that two horses pulling would be able to pull about 16,000. That's, you know, common math. You kind of put these things together. Two of them put together, it goes well above 30,000 when you put those two together. Now, here's a stat I hadn't heard before. If you raise those two Belgian horses together, if they were stable mates, if they grew up together, they can gather or pull together more than four times their weight. Why? Because there's something about doing community together. There's something about growing alongside each other. That's why it's important for us to show up and get alongside each other because we can do more when we're together. Can I get an amen today? So we got to have this deep root system. we got to make sure we go deep so that we can sustain these storms and the times and the things of life. I think we've also gotten too shallow. We're, we're not deep enough in kingdom values. The way that I see Christians gossip about each other and slander each other and, and talk about each other, the, the way that I see us talk uh, about culture and other people, it's like we don't believe the scripture that says life and death is in the power of our tongue. We've got to be careful what we speak and declare over one another. I believe that people rise or fall to the level of our praise. If we keep talking about people up here, they're going to get up to here. If we keep talking about people down here, they're going to get to here. We've got to guard the things that we speak and we say, I'm just a believer of the scripture that says, if you have something against somebody, you should go up to them and have a conversation with them. Boy, a bunch of crickets in here today, huh? I know my online crowd is excited about that one and amen and me hitting the reactions. That means you should do it. But these kingdom principles, it's how it roots us. It's like when God said, hey, I've come to bring life and give it to you a better way. He's saying these kingdom principles, if you do these, these are good root systems to help you thrive and flourish like a palm tree. Point number two is this. A palm tree can survive a cut. Do you know that like if you were to go to a regular tree and you were to cut a, a ring around the outside of this tree, you go up and just carve all the way around it, uh, you would have done significant damage to the fruit or to the life uh, of that tree. Uh, it can't sustain a significant cut around the outside, but a palm tree actually can. Several years ago, uh, when we were building our motocross track, we were bulldozing through the trees and setting up dirt bike jumps and things like that. And kind of one of those crazy things in life uh, that you can do, but you shouldn't be allowed to do. What I'm speaking of is renting a bobcat with no training. You just walk right up to a rental store and you're like, I want that machine that if I don't use it properly, I could literally bulldoze right through a house. 
They're like, just sign here, all yours, bring it back with fuel. <laughs> well, because I didn't have much experience with that, as I'm bulldozing through these trails and moving trees out of the way, there'd be times where I would hit a tree turning around that I didn't mean to take out and it would put a gash in this tree. And sure enough, the next year, that side of the tree was no longer growing leaves. Didn't kill the whole tree, but it's because its sustenance, its nutrition, its, ab- its, its ability to grow was based on external circumstances. I'm only going to grow, I'm only going to produce if the outside is perfect. But a palm tree gets its perfection and nutrition and sustenance from what's coming through the inside. And I'm just here to say, if we're going to be like a palm tree, Christian, we need to be a people who stop evaluating all the external circumstances before we decide to grow or go. And we need to be basing it on what's happening on the end. Am I with me today? Too many of us get cut and we quit. Well, that hurt. They offended me. I'm upset that they said that way. So I quit. I'm not going to produce leaves anymore. I'm upset. Those that flourish are like a palm tree that can sustain a little bit of external damage because they know that the good comes from the inside. And I'm not here to downplay whether it be church hurt or personal hurt or or family hurt. And and that's why we're grateful for counseling and people that can help us work through that. But I think it's a huge disservice that every time we get cut, we quit. Or every time we hop around churches because we don't like when someone said this and said that and we keep moving. Are you with me today? We got to be a people who when we get cut, we don't quit. Number three, a palm tree is flexible. If you ever look at those videos, you can see a palm tree in a storm can bend all the way back to the ground, can bend itself all the way over. In winds in coastal communities, they change quickly. We hate change as people, especially Americans. We hate change. We like everything to be the same old way, the same old predictability. We like to go to the same old church, the same old way, sing the same old songs, the preacher preach it the same old way. We like everything the same. But the scripture's saying, hey, do you want to flourish like a palm tree? You got to be somebody who's okay with the changing in the wind. Mm -hmm. Things moving. A palm tree in a coastal community, the wind might be coming from this way. And he says, okay, I'm ready for the wind to come from this way. But quickly, something might, tropical storm come, and all of a sudden, the wind comes from a whole nother way. That palm tree doesn't get to go, well, I was only prepared for the wind to come from this way. January, we all get our goals books, and we all start writing down, okay, God, this is how you're going to move in my life this way. And God's like, that's nice. I'm going to move this way. And you're like, ah. And the scripture's saying, hey, you got to be flexible. We got to be willing to absorb change. We got to be willing to, to go through it. The hard part about it is that human nature, our human nature, we like the path of least resistance the most. You know what makes a river crooked? It's crooked because it follows the path of least resistance. I mean, no, we don't want crooked lives. Some of you are like, no, I'm crooked. I'm, I'm down for that. See my tattoo? Crooked. <laughs> that was terrible. I was on vacation. I'm rusty. If we want new results, we have to do new things. Many people pray, God, I want to do new things. I want to take new ground. I want you to use me in a new way. And then God's like, okay, well, you got to start doing things a different way. If you do what you've always done, you will have what you've always had. If you're believing God to take you to new places, you have to let change happen. What's interesting about the palm tree is the palm tree was designed that it could get bent all the way over to the ground. But on the inside of it, and in its DNA, and in its creation, is it's created to do what? 
bounce back. Do you know that the same thing is said about the believer? God says, hey, the righteous, they may fall seven times, but guess what? I've created in them bounce back. You may fall, you may get pushed down, you may have circumstances that push you over, but I've created you to be like a palm tree and you got bounce back on the inside of you. Can I get an amen today? Point number four, a palm tree protects its fruit. Doug again preached about this last week in John chapter 15. The scripture talks about how we're called to bear much fruit. But the scripture also talks about that that fruit that we bear, it has to stay connected to God because the assignment for that fruit is that that fruit remains Got to take care of this fruit. It needs to remain. What's interesting about palm trees is God created them to be a species that protects the fruit that it develops. I actually discovered in this sermon that there's almost 2,600 species of palm trees. 2,600 different species of palm trees, which I actually love that because that means God, as we already know, is into diversity. Can I get an amen? And so here's what's interesting. This is what I'm trying to get you to see about this. It protects its fruit. Why? Because its fruit is raised up above the predators beneath. The things that would probably try to go after it, the palm tree says, I've remained in God, my roots are deep. Therefore, this fruit that's being developed and I want it to remain, it rises above That's the things that are going on beneath. My promise to you as a parent, this promise of scripture to you as a parent, you might be looking at culture and the things that are happening and go, how are our kids going to make it? Look at all the things that they're facing. Look at all the things. Everything in culture is aimed against the ways of God. Can I tell you something? YouTube is not leading your kids toward God. Can I tell you something? Certain school systems and ideologies are not leading your kids toward God. But can I give you a promise today that if we are like palm trees and we're planted, God promises that our our fruit, our kids can be raised up away from predators, away from the things that are trying to destroy. Are you with me today? So the scripture says that we serve a God who can prepare a place for us in the presence of our enemies. No matter what's going on, God is saying, hey, I can get you up above the things that would try to steal from you. Point number five is this. I got seven points. Point number five is this. A palm tree sheds what's of no use. Some people in the industry, palm tree industry, some people call palm trees self-cleaning trees. There's not much pruning. There's not all these things that you have to do. And palm trees have this ability to say, hey, this thing on me or in my life that's not producing anymore, it's time for it to go. So it takes care of itself. I'm saying if we're going to be a people that are righteous and we flourish like a righteous person flourishing like a palm tree, we need to look at some things in our life and say, hey, what needs to go? What are some of the relationships that I need to say, hey, this can't be in my life anymore? Well, but man, we were buds. We grew up together. We did it all since 99 or something. I don't know what you say. (laughs) Yeah, okay, but does it need to be shed? Is it not producing anymore? What are some things you watch or participate with or some things that you hear and some things that are speaking into your life that you need to say, hey, I need to be flourishing like a palm tree, like a righteous. I need to be flourishing. Therefore, I need to shed some things. It's time for some self-cleaning. Are you with me today? Point number six is this. I'm going to speak to two different generations here. Point number six is a palm tree gets sweeter with time. I just discovered this. The older the palm, the sweeter its fruit. The older the palm, the sweeter its fruit. Now, I'm first in line. Like it's been a goal in my life to get to the age where I get to live out on a daily basis the Grumpier Old Men movie. Like Brad and I are going to be neighbors 
And every time we see each other, it's going to be like, hey, putts. Hey, you know, like just, I already yell at kids for going on the grass. Right, Caroline, my daughter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay off the lawn. Like that's, I'm already, but I think I need to have a little bit of an attitude adjustment because the reality is the older you get, the wiser you get, the more you walk in the Lord, the sweeter your presentation should be to the next generation. If we're not careful, you start walking with the Lord, you get wisdom, you get experience, you get some things. If we're not careful, what we then do is go, they're not doing it right, that generation. They're not doing it. They're messing it up. And all we present is sour fruit to the next generation. Scriptures, what we're learning from a palm tree is that it's a sweeter fruit. The more you walk with the Lord, the more you walk in the things of God. I know you have knowledge. I know you have insight. I know you have information. I know you have things. But the presentation of all that should be sweet into the next generation. Now, let me speak to the young generation because I'm not in the young generation anymore. Young generation. The same tendency works in flip. You might look at the generation above you and go like, they don't know anything. They don't do it right. But what we understand is that the generation above us, those that have gone before us with their experience, they have something sweet to present to you. They have something good for you. Don't sit over here and say, I don't need any of what they got. They got something. That's why the scripture says in the last day, those two generations can work together. Can I get an amen today? I'll close with this. Lastly, and maybe most importantly, Here's what we know about a palm tree. A palm tree cannot be cold. A palm tree cannot be cold. That's unfortunately why we can't have them here. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 and 13 says this, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love, the love of most will grow cold. But the ones who stand firm to the end will be saved. You want to flourish like a palm tree? You need to make sure you're not growing cold. Do you know who sets the temperature in your life? Not your husband, not your wife, not the kids, not the pastor, not the worship leaders, not the music. You are the one who sets the spiritual temperature for your heart and what's growing cold and what's staying warm. Yeah, but what about this and what about that? You set the temperature of things in your, in your life. Scripture saying, because of the increase of wickedness, all the things that you see, it could cause you to grow cold. Ah, oh, it's too much. Culture's too crazy. The wickedness that's running rampant everywhere. And you just allow yourself to grow cold in your heart and also towards others. But it says, no, no, no. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Like our, 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 our walking it out, like our flourishing as a palm tree is connected to our ability to make sure we're not growing cold. If I were to ask you, what's the temperature of your prayer life? Would you gauge it on the cold side? Would you gauge it on lukewarm? Or are we talking your prayer life is hot and you're on point? What about worship? What about on the inside? Your exhortation and the way that you exalt God. I'm not talking about being exaggerated and chaotic. Some people like to jump and dance and clap as Cody was sharing in his thing. There's all different kinds of expressions. I'm talking about the temperature of your heart when it comes time to exhort God. Is it cold? Is it lukewarm? Are you keeping it, are you keeping it hot? Same thing with our gatherings. Our coming together in worship. Would you say the temperature of your gathering together? Because remember, the scripture says in the last days... Don't forsake. Don't give up on gathering together. It says actually all the more come together. Why? To make sure you're not growing cold. Be careful you don't grow cold. What about your convictions? 
used to get convicted. You first got saved. You heard about the things of God and the way he would call you to live. And conviction would happen in your life. You would have that still small whisper come into your life and say, I don't like that. Don't do that. Stay away from that. And now maybe over time, that, 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 that conviction is just gone. You look at things, you watch things, you say certain things, you speak certain ways. And that conviction part is gone. Has it gone cold? The scripture is saying, don't let it grow cold. Palm trees can't exist in the cold. You can't flourish like a palm tree. If your spiritual temperature is cold, we have to stay warm. But we got to keep warm towards others. The scripture says right here, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I shared this a couple of weeks ago as God has given revelation to me. This is the hour that we're living. If we look at the wickedness and the things that are happening all around us, it's easy for us to look at certain groups and certain types of people who believe certain ways. It's easy for us to look at the wickedness and our hearts grow cold toward them. Uh, Jess and I, we were in Charleston, downtown at the market and all this stuff. And as we were walking out, it was a Saturday morning and we were walking out. They said, hey, there's going to be a lot of traffic up there uh, this morning's the pride parade for June. I said, OK, so let's go. Let's go over there. If we're not careful, you'll see some of the wickedness that's happening and your love will grow cold. There's a, there's a lot of things that we can see happening in culture that, if you're not careful, could make you very angry. You look upon the moral decline and the things that you see, and it could make you very, very angry. I shared just a couple of weeks ago, the enemy is working very aggressively to make sure we try to hate the harvest. The prodigal son went away. Prodigal son, many of you know the story. Prodigal son leaves his father's home. He leaves his inheritance. He leaves the place he's created to be. He leaves it because he didn't understand his identity. He didn't understand who he was created to be. So he goes off and he lives this other way. He misidentified. He didn't know his identity. It sounds like a culture we're seeing now. He goes away. Scripture says he comes back. He's not judged. They weren't shouting against him. He was welcomed back. He was loved. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We're living in an hour right now where there is a whole generation, a whole culture of people that don't know their identity. They're misidentifying themselves. And if we let the wickedness make us angry, our love will grow cold and we'll miss the harvest. Yeah. It's real easy. Jesus says like, hey, he tells all these stories, all the parables. There's like a woman who lost a coin and she had knew where all that, but she turned up her whole house. She turned over everything. She swept everything to find the one coin. Why? Because the one is so important. Yeah. Well, that coin don't matter. It messed up. It ran off anyway. Let's just forget about it and move on. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'll leave the 99 yeah. to go find the one. We can't let our heart grow cold toward the one. Or we'll miss the whole harvest that God has for us. My brother, we were texting this morning as I was putting together my sermon and getting ready for the today. And he was telling me how yesterday uh, he went down to the Grand Haven Pride Parade and uh, was just like witnessing and passing out some tracks and talking to different people in that community. He said one of the people there, I can't even tell you half of the things that actually happened to him. I literally can't say it from here with people in the room. But he had one person take the track, the little kind of gospel message uh, that he was like sharing with people. 
One person took that track, chewed it up, and spit it in his face in Grand Haven. I don't know about you, my love would grow pretty cold in that moment. We as a church, this is the harvest. This is the one. This is our moment. And we have to live in this Matthew 24. Hey, amongst all the wickedness, make sure you do what? Make sure that you don't let your love grow cold. Because you won't flourish like a palm tree if you get cold in this hour. Am am I making some sense today? So so all of that, our heart, our conviction, our desire, we, we, we have to be a people who welcome back the prodigal. It's easy. It's my last thought. It's real easy for us to be like, we need to go help the one. And we think that the one is like poverty in Africa. They're the starving ones. We need to help them. That's like an easy cause. Um, or, you know, we need, to, we need to help the widow and the orphan. And those are important. We need to help those ones too. But what about the ones that are spitting in your face? Do you let your love grow cold? Or do you say, God, this is the harvest. Send us into it. Don't let me grow cold. Are you with me today? I know it's kind of a heavy end. But if we want to flourish like a palm tree, we got to make sure we're staying hot in our heart, our prayer life, our love for those who are hurting, those who are misidentified. we we got to be a people who stay hot in those moments. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for who you are and how you love us. God, we want to be a people who our love stays hot. Let us not grow cold in prayer and in our worship and in our evangelism and in our study of your word and hiding it in our heart. God, let us be a people who embrace and love and share truth with those who need it most. God, I thank you that you're going to help us do it by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.